I'm really excited about the next few weeks. Uh, we've got lots going on that we want to share with you over the next couple of weeks. Um, September for us, uh, as you may know, me and Hannah uh, were or, or are teachers by profession. And, and September is always that time where you start to think about the year ahead. August for teachers is about resting. It's about pondering on kind of what's gone over over the last year, and then, and then you start to gear up again, and you start reminding yourselves, okay, what am I meant to be teaching? What's my curriculum? What's my learning objectives? What do I need to impart into my, my, my stu- children, my students? What do they need to know by the end of this year? And you start to draw up plans for the term, start to draw up lesson plans, schemes of work, and, and always coming back to this thing, what's my goal? What do I want to achieve by the end of this year? And how do I help my children, my students? How do I help them achieve your goals? Can I say it's the same for church? My job is to help you achieve the goals God has for you. That's what I'm I'm here to do. And, And as a church, we've got the same question. Okay, as a church, what's our goal? What is the goal God's set for us? How do we achieve them and how do we help people achieve theirs and over the next three Sundays we're going to kind of unpack this um, and looking at our vision to remind ourselves okay what's our why why are we here what's our purpose what do we exist for and and if you talk about vision vision means this It, it says that vision is the ability to see clearly Uh, Can I tell you, in a world where there's so much uncertainty, so many things that are not clear, so many things that that are muddy, one of the most important things God gives us is vision. Not just our natural eyesight, but actually God's vision for our lives. And when we know God's vision for our lives, it brings stability. It brings clarity. It brings confidence. When, when everything around us feels like it's shifting, when everything seems to be moving at breakneck pace, God gives us clarity. You know, we're living in a culture now where what was once prohibited is now promoted and what was once celebrated is now cancelled. And we have to have that clear vision of our lives to actually help us stand firm. Can I tell you, this church has a vision for our community, but, but, but also God has a vision for your life. God has a really clear vision for your life and our vision for our community always leads back to, to three key phrases that we believe just sum up actually it's God's vision for us it's not just God's vision for for the church it's God's vision for us we're a church that exists to see hearts revived we're a church that exists to see hope restored and lives rebuilt and over the next couple of weeks we're going to be unpacking okay what do those phrases mean actually for us as a church but actually for everyone And there's some specifics that we're going to be looking at over the year. So what's our vision for the year? How are we going to unpack that? But I want to talk today about actually what is God's vision for all of us? What is God's vision for every person? What is God's vision for for everything, everyone here? Because actually that's the why behind everything we do. Everything we do is because we want to help you fulfill God's vision for you. It's not necessarily about the church. It's not about me. It's not about Hannah. It's how we help you fulfill God's vision for you. Proverbs 29 says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. The NIV puts it this way, says where there's no revelation, people cast off restraint. The message version puts this way, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. And, and I want to ask the question, could it be that sometimes the mess we find ourselves in isn't because of the mess, it's because we don't have vision. 
We don't have something greater than the mess that actually we can run to, that if we don't have something bigger that God is calling us to, actually we just stumble over ourselves. You could put it another way, if you don't know what God's vision for your life is, you just don't know what to do with your life. And you spend your life wandering from one thing to the other, to the other, to the other. And actually God says, I've got a vision for you. I've got a plan for you. The next line says this, but when they attend to what he reveals, when they discover that vision, when they discover what God wants them to do, what happens? They're most blessed. That's our prayer for you. We want to see you blessed. No one wants to be blessed in this place this morning. That's what we want for you. We want you to be blessed. We want you to have a clarity over your life so you don't spend your life just stumbling from one thing to the next. But actually, you live blessed. I think we're most blessed when we receive and we live in God's vision for our lives. So what is God's vision for our life? And can I suggest we're all doing something. We're all doing something with our lives. And the question is, is that something the something God has for us. We're all aiming for something, but is that thing we're aiming for the something God wants us to aim for? I'll tell you a story. There's a, 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 the, the 2004 Athens Olympics. There was a rifle shooter called Matthew Emmons, and at the time, he was one of the best in the world, and he was entered into two disciplines in, in rifle shooting in the 2004 Athens Games, and, and he'd already won the gold, like won it by a mile in his, in his first discipline. The second discipline comes up, and he's so far ahead, all he's got to do is hit the target, and he wins gold. And he'd be the first man ever to win double gold in rifle shooting in the Athens Olympics. And I don't know if you know this, but a rifle shooter, the the, the level of discipline it takes, how still they have to stand and put all their focus, all their... Do you know they can slow their heartbeat down? They're that disciplined, they, they can get their, their body to a point where they can feel their own heart beating and they can slow it down to the point where they pull the trigger in between the beats. That amount of discipline, so he, he stands and he aims at this target, hits a bullseye on the wrong target. He went from gold medal to eighth. And this was his face. All that discipline, all that skill, all that training. And he hit a target, but he hit the wrong target. Can I suggest we're hitting targets all the time, but they're the wrong target. And that's our face. And our job is to try and get that look off your face. I thought I'd made it. I, I thought money was it. I thought, I thought this relationship was it. I thought popularity was it. And, and that's the face we get because we're aiming at something that God says, that's not your target. You're aiming at the wrong thing and, and, and the level of focus and discipline we put into something that God never wanted for us. I could, I could tell you a, a story, and I won't, I won't say this person's name, but I remember being 14 years old, and I knew the girl I wanted to marry. And for three years, I put my whole life into it. The power of Facebook, I'm so glad it didn't happen. But it was the wrong target. I was aiming at the wrong thing. D.L. Moody, who's a great American evangelist, he said this, our greatest fear should not be of failure, 
but of succeeding at something that really doesn't matter. And that's our reality. Some of us are succeeding at things that actually they don't matter. But if God has a vision for your life and you attend to what he reveals, what happens, you're most blessed. And so what I want to do, I want, I want to simplify our vision statement for, for a, a brief moment. And we've, we've carried these words for the last, uh, coming up to four years, we've carried these words, revive hearts, restore hope, rebuild lives. And, and, and it's funny because I was watching something a couple of weeks ago, and you know how you've been trying to articulate something for ages, and then you watch something, and someone says something, and you go, oh. And, and, and these are not my words, but I'm going to steal them because I, this is so simple. And I just think this is actually God's vision for everyone. And, and here it is. Give your life to Jesus. <laughs> Be made new by Jesus. And become like Jesus. That's it. Give your life to Jesus. Be made new by Jesus. I think we've got them on the screen, hopefully. And become like Jesus. So just in line with the way we say it as a church, give your life to Jesus, have your heart revived. Be made new by Jesus, have your hope restored. Become like Jesus, have your life rebuilt. That's it. That's God's vision for your life, and it's our job to help you get there. And, and, and we, we, want, want, we want you to want to get there. We're not going to force you. We're not going to run around with a whip. We actually want you to want to get there, because it says this, when you attend to what he reveals, what happens, you're most blessed. And we get these words actually from Ezra. Ezra, when the, when the Jews came back to Jerusalem from, from Babylon, Ezra said this, that God revived us. Why? So we could rebuild the temple and we could restore its ruins. And, and on a literal sense, Ezra is talking about the actual temple when they come back from Babylon, that God brought the Jewish people out of a situation. They were, they were spiritually dead. And he brought them back to Jerusalem and said, listen, I'm going to take these ruins and re." build it. But on a spiritual sense, he's saying, hey, do you know what? We're all dead. We're all spiritually dead because of sin, and God wants to bring us back to life. He wants to restore what's broken in our lives, and he wants to rebuild us based on the blueprint he has for us. Can I tell you, you were never intended to live your life held back by a habit or an addiction. Uh, You were never meant to live a future that's defined by your past. God says in his word, I want to free you from that. You were never meant to live your life restricted by your mistakes or your past hurts. Why do I know that? Jesus said, I came to give you life and life to the full. God's vision for our lives was was to live a full life, a fulfilled life, free from our past, free from guilt, free from shame, anything that might hold us back. And then when we get to that place of freedom, we actually go and discover who we are in Jesus. And we go on a journey to discovering, okay, who am I and what I'm meant to be. And you can find this, this isn't just our words, you can find this cover to cover in the Bible. I'm going to give you a few examples this morning. In the book of Exodus, God says this, I'm the Lord, I'll free you from your oppression. He says this, I'm going to revive your heart. I'm going to get you out of that place where you were dead and cut off. And what happens, I'll rescue you from your slavery. So, so first I'll get you out of Egypt, but then I'll get Egypt out of you. Egypt wasn't just a place, it was a mindset. So that place of sin that you're in, I'm going to take you out of there, 
And then I'm going to get that place out of you. It's, I spoke a few weeks ago. It's like a sponge. You put a sponge in water. The sponge is in the water. It is soaking up the water. You take the sponge out of the water. The sponge is out of the water, but the water's in the sponge. And God says, I want to squeeze that water out of you so that you are dry again. He says, I'll redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I'll claim you as my own people. I'll be your God. I'm going to help you rebuild your life. I'm going to help you rebuild your life. And I'll, I'll pay for you in order that you might be his. There's no greater fulfillment in life than discovering why we're here. And we call that rebuilding our lives. Rebuilding our lives based on those foundations. Who God has called us to be. Live lives that make an eternal difference in the lives of others. Here is again in Isaiah. Jesus quoted this. He said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon, upon me. The Lord's anointed me to bring good news. The, the, the gospel of Jesus. That's reviving hearts. It's the good news. He sent me to comfort broken hearted. Proclaim captives will be released. Prisoners will be freed. He's called me to restore hope. He sent me to tell those who mourn the time of favor has come. They will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his glory. That's rebuilding our lives. We're there for God's glory. We're there to do something to, to, to show the glory of God. In Ephesians, Paul says this, I ask the God of our master, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning. In what? Knowing him personally. We've got to know Jesus. That's reviving our hearts, having that personal relationship with God, giving our lives to him. He says, you need your eyes focused and clear. I, I tell you this, you can't see your future if your eyes are gunked up with your past. You can't see your future if, you're, you're, if, if, if for everything you've got in your, in your vision is your past. And God wants to set, give your eyes focused and clear. He wants you to be set free, to be made nude. Why? So that with those clear eyes, you can see exactly what it is he's calling you to do. Become like Jesus. Discover your purpose. Rebuild your life. And I love this line. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life. There's no better way to live. It's a glorious way to live when we live in the purposes and plans that God has for us. You might not know this. I wear contact lenses um, purely because I'm quite vain. Um, but I, I am very short-sighted. It was funny, me and Rob were having a conversation. I think, Rob, you're like a minus two? 3.7. Minus 3.7. <laughs> I'm a minus five wow. in my good eye. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'd be registered blind. But I am very, very short-sighted, but I wear contact lenses. And I realized this when I was 16 because I was... I was in school, and I was kind of one of the lads, and I was playing rugby and everything. And do you know what? We do not sit in the front row. We sit in the back row. But I realized at 16, sat in the back row, I couldn't see a thing. And I'm, we're doing GCSE English, and, and kind of I turned up to GCSE maths, but English was, was more my thing. And I realized I haven't got a clue what my teacher's writing on the board. So slowly, I tried to shift myself forward until about six weeks into the term. Everyone's laughing at me because I'm sat in the front row. I was going to say with the geeks, but I won't say that. I, but, but, I, but I was. I was sat in the front row. And I realized I've got a problem here. 
And so I took myself up to, off to the opticians, and, and they kind of say, well, look at this, this screen with all these letters. And I'm like... And if you've ever been to the opticians, they put this thing on your eye, and they drop these little bits of glass into it. And what happens? Everything becomes clear. Everything suddenly gets really, really sharp. And, and, they, and they gave me these glasses and said, listen, just go, go off and take a walk around. And, and I walked, and it was wonderful. For about 30 seconds, because I realized I was in Newport, and I wanted to take them back off again. <laughs> but it, it was like a whole new world. Everything was clear, everything was focused, everything was sharp. And, 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 and I realized this later on. I didn't have a new vision. I was seeing how I was meant to see. I was seeing the world actually how God intended me to see it. Vision is not just the ability to see clearly. It's the ability to see what God is doing clearly. And when we attend to what he reveals, we are most blessed. And again, that's our prayer for you. We want you to be blessed. But that blessing comes when you attend to what he reveals. 2 Chronicles says this, The eyes of the Lord, they search the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Those people who are, who are attending to what he reveals, God's going to bless. He wants to bless you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to give you joy. But, but your step is to understand his vision and then go and do it. And I think, well, actually, if this is God's vision, it should be ours. And it's, it's not unique to us, by the way. Uh, most churches have this same vision. We just package it in the way we do. But I just want to unpack that for a little bit this morning. Actually, the, the first part of our vision is this. God wants you to know him. God wants you to know him, to, to discover him in, a, in an intimate and a personal, a real and a vibrant way. For some of you, that might be the first time. Some of you might have been a Christian for 40 years, but actually you still don't know God. You haven't encountered God in a personal way. And, and, and actually, our whole vision statement, revive hearts, restore hope, rebuild lives, everything hinges on that first one because you can't do the rest unless you've done the first one. You've got to have your heart revived. You've got to give your heart, your life to Jesus. To know Jesus in your heart and not just in your head. To know Jesus in a relationship and not just a religion. And that first step is all important because that, that real relationship with Jesus, it empowers the rest. So why revive hearts? Well, that comes from a verse in Ecclesiastes. It says that God has planted eternity in the human heart. You know, deep down inside all of us, there's a deep call to something more. Every person on this planet, if you ask them, they would say there must be something more. There must be something out there. That's why there's such a, a huge interest in the spiritual I don't know if you've noticed in, in Newbridge over the last couple of weeks, we're suddenly seeing, and I, I don't want to hide away from this, we're suddenly seeing a lot of um, alternative fairs popping up. It's because they're looking for something. They're looking for something more. There's something deep inside us that is looking for something that's beyond what is inside us. And, and, and there's, there's this inner yearning, actually, for eternity. 
But because it hasn't been watered, because it hasn't been allowed to grow in the right way, that eternity God's planted in us, actually it's been allowed to die or it's dying. And the definition of revival, revive hearts, when we revive something, what are we doing? We're bringing it back to life. So we're bringing that sense of eternity. And can I tell you, if your heart is not beating physically, you're dead. Five years of medical school will tell you that. But spiritually... Five minutes of Bible school will tell you, spiritually, if your heart's not beating, you're dead. And our purpose is to help you bring that back to life. Ephesians 2 says this, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, but actually, do you know what? All of us did. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, but the best line in there, but God... But God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he did what? He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And there's, a, there's another translation, which is the, the Webster's Bible translation. Uh, quite an old translation, but, but I love the line. He says, and you have he revived who were dead in sins. You were dead but he brought you back to life. Paul says this in Colossians, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful, na- because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then what happened? God made you alive with Christ. And he forgave all our sins. Everything you ever did, everything you ever said, everything you ever thought that was wrong, that, that's gone. It's done, it's paid with, it's dealt with, and you can enter into the presence of God fully alive. Paul says this to a man called Titus. He said, do you know what? We too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled. We became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy. And we hated each other. Happy days, everyone. But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of anything we'd done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life. Do you know what? We were all in a mess. But Jesus came and saved us. It was nothing we did, nothing we could have done to earn it just because he loved us. And notice in this, this and this is really important as well, because some people, they get, this, they get this wrong. He didn't clean us and then save us. Paul says this, he saved us and then he cleaned us. Paul says in Romans that it is while we were still sinners, God demonstrates his own love for us. He didn't, tell you he, lo- he didn't just tell you he loves you. He showed you his love by sending Jesus to die on a cross. Not, not after we asked for forgiveness, not after we repented, not after we said sorry. He did it while we were still sinners. So while we were still messing around, God said, you know what, I'm just going to do that anyway. And I love this line that Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to bring dead people to life. If you haven't yet, let him revive your heart. And then he'll do a work in your life. One king says this, may he turn our hearts to him. That's what having a revived heart is. It's turning our hearts, giving our hearts to God, and, and, and God wants you to do that, whether you've been a Christian for, for years, 
God still wants that for you. So listen, turn your heart to me and we'll give you that opportunity in a few moments just to take that first journey, that first step on an incredible journey where you align your sights with the target God has for you. Paul says to Timothy, he says this, some of these people, they've missed the most important thing in life. They've missed the target, the most important target they can have. They don't know God. They haven't had a personal encounter with God and that's the most important thing because that's the thing that revives your heart. And as a church family, we do everything we can through, through serving, praying, giving. We are all about helping people encounter and enter into a relationship with God. And we, we'll do everything we can, anything we can to, to, to help people who are reach, to, to reach people who are far from God with this truth. Actually, Jesus paid for our sins. Anything we've done wrong, he, Jesus paid for our sins so that we wouldn't have to, so that we can have our hearts revived again. As a church, we exist to say Jesus is the only way to God. The Bible says this, there's salvation in no one else. God's given no under name under heaven by which we must be saved. Jesus said himself, do you know what? No one can come to God the Father through me. Why Jesus? Because Jesus was the only one who could take what we did wrong and nail it to the cross. Jesus redeemed us. Jesus paid our price so that we can live in freedom. Not, I mean, we can live in freedom on earth, but also we get the promise of that eternity in heaven. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, that it's no light thing to know that we'll all one day stand in that place of judgment. That's why we work urgently with everyone we meet to get them ready to face God. We'll all have to face God. So we work urgently with everyone we meet to get them ready. God alone knows how well we do this, but I hope you realize how much and deeply we care. Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. His love has the first and last word in everything we do. And I love this line. Our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everyone. So that puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could be included in his life. A resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. And, and that's why Re Revive is, is the name of this church. That's why it's the start of our mission statement is because we work from this focus center. Jesus died for you to revive your heart. That's it. That's where we start. And if you've been on that journey for, for, for 50 years, 40 years, if you've never made that decision, can I encourage you that there is always a next step? There is always more. Paul says this, all glory to God, who's able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. There is always more. There is always a next step. I love the way the message puts, puts it. It says this, God can do anything. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. And, and, and wherever you are on your journey, there's always more for you. There's always more of God for you. And as a church, and we'll unpack this over the next few weeks, as a church, we are here to help you take those next steps so that you're living the life God 
came, Jesus came to give you. So how do we do that? Because we might be at different stages. Some of, some of us might be at the start of this. Some of us have, have actually, as I've, as I've talked about this target, some of us we might, do you know what? I, I thought I was free. I, I thought I'd got it. I thought I'd nailed it. But something happened and it's left me like this. Because maybe we just lost our focus a little bit. Maybe we're just looking at the wrong target and, and there's always that process of saying, okay, I'm just going to refocus again. I'm going to reset my sights again. And the, and the key to all of that is simply this, go all in with God. Go all in with God. It says this in Jeremiah, if you look for me wholeheartedly, what will happen? You'll find me. If you look for God wholeheartedly, you will find him. He says, I'll end your captivity and I'll restore your fortunes. If you need to find God this morning, look for him wholeheartedly. If you need freedom, look for God wholeheartedly. If you need parts of your life to be rebuilt, look for God wholeheartedly. I'm asked the band to join me. and um, I've used this story before and, and I don't know if anyone... They don't tend to have them so much now, but I don't know if anyone's ever been to or seen on TV or films um, a, a dog track. Um, they're these big circular tracks, about 300 meters long, and, and they race dogs on them. And it's an iron rail. There's an iron rail in the middle that, that runs around the, the inside of the track. And, and what happens is dogs are in these, these, these cages. They fire the rabbit down the rail, and the dogs, the, the gates of the cage are released, and the dogs chase this rabbit. And you, you bet on the winner. And it's funny because dogs, dogs need a reason to chase something. They're not like horses. Horses will just run if someone's, you know, someone's guiding them or, or, or telling them to run. Dogs need a reason. Dogs need a reason to chase something. And um, there's one race meeting in, in Florida a couple of years ago. The rabbit goes off and, and the doors open and, and, the, and the dogs are flying around this track and then suddenly there's an electrical surge and the rabbit mid-race explodes. There's fur, there's wires, there's bits of, of rabbit, electronic rabbit everywhere. And this is what happened. Most of the dogs sit down and went to sleep. Some of the dogs continued running, ran into the fence and broke their ribs. Some dogs just wandered around howling at the crowd. Not a single dog finished the race because they had nothing to chase. And it's a great picture of life that when you don't have a purpose, when you don't have a target, when you don't have anything to chase, you'll either sit down and take a nap You'll either run at the wrong thing and hurt yourself or you'll just shout at everyone else. Thanks, Kevin. And to put this another way, our, our desire for you is we want to help you chase the rabbit. We want to help you find your reason for running. And your reason for running is no God. To have your heart revived. To have your hope restored. And go on and have your life rebuilt to go and fulfill the purpose God has for you. But it starts with this.
Give your life to Jesus. Go all in with God. Not just your Sunday life. Give your whole life to Jesus. And, and you might be thinking, oh, I'm too far gone. I've spent so long aiming at the wrong thing. That I, I, I'm just too far gone. Can I tell you, God still has a plan for your life. It doesn't matter how far gone or how far off you think you are. God can always bring you back. All you have to do is say, God, here I am. Take over and give your life to him. There's a famous, I think it's a Japanese or a Chinese proverb. It says, you know, the the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now. I don't think God has second best times. I think the best time to give your life to Jesus is now. When we bow our heads, we're going to pray. So God, in this moment, we consider the times we've lost our focus, the times we've aimed at the wrong thing. The times our target hasn't been the one you've set for us. And so God, we choose today to refocus to turn our sights on your vision for our life. Would you give us clarity to see what it is you've called us to do? But God, most importantly, we choose to give you our lives. If we've strayed from your word, we've strayed from your goodness, if we've strayed from your presence, God, we're sorry. And we choose to realign ourselves. Thank you that you died for us. Thank you that you died that we could live. Thank you that you died that we could live lives to the full. So again this morning, whether it's the first time or the hundredth time, God, we give our lives to you. We hand you the keys to our lives. We ask you to take over. We make you Lord and King of our lives. We receive your Holy Spirit again to guide us, to dwell in us, to help us keep our eyes fixed on you. God, I pray this morning as you would revive us. You would revive us. Bring us back to the life you have for us. We choose today to focus on you, to put you first, to set our sights on your will, your word, your presence. God, would you awaken our hearts this morning? Awaken our hearts to all you have for us. Awaken your hearts to this community. And we pray you would open the floodgates of heaven. 
that your presence would fall in this church, that your presence would fall in this church to the point where it flows out into the streets, into this town. God, we pray for an outpouring of your presence as we turn our hearts to you, seek you, putting you first and giving our lives to you. Why don't we stand?